I'm David Kenny, and this is Sanity Check. In 25 years of business, I know that hiring people, launching products, allocating capital, selling and managing yourself is no mean feat. We don't tell you what to do. Instead, we put you in front of the right people, ask them the right questions so that you can find the answers you need. We are here for you. It's time to sanity check. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited today. I have an old friend who's come in specially for sanity check. I'm going to call this person the multicultural HR champion from down under. I wrote that myself. And she's an Aussie-born global HR guru. She's worked at some of the biggest growth companies in the world, like Lyft, Zynga, Twitch, ByteDance, yes, TikTok. She's hired and fired thousands of people, and I know she finds hiring them a little bit more fun. And she got a start in my firm. I remember so many chats with Laura, and uh, I knew even way back then that this person was an absolute superstar. Laura Chuck, welcome to Sanity Check. Thank you, David. I am so happy to be here. It's uh, wonderful to come back to Australia and reconnect with uh, such a great business leader like yourself and be here today. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolute pleasure. Thank you for being with us. And Laura, look, I think the Sanity Check audience needs to know that I haven't gone crazy. So they might have seen me doing a few little things that could be barely passed off as dancing. <laughs> so all has been revealed. We have... Laura here from TikTok and we're going to be talking HR today and just apologies for the dancing but uh, thank you for joining and so let's get started. So one of the things that as you know that the absolute secret source in getting a company really at the top of the charts is really getting their their team right and getting, having a really super clear vision and strategy on building a team. We both know that having a vision or taking the employees on a journey is is super critical to get that momentum. Rather than saying, you work for me, turn up and do this job. Tell us a bit about what you've learned on how to take employees on a journey. I think, you know, it always starts with a vision and a mission and a really clear and concise vision and mission that's easy for anyone to understand and interpret how they fit in and be a part of that vision and mission. So when they get out of bed every single day, they know what they're working towards. Then I think on top of that, what's really important is alignment. So making sure that there are really clear OKRs that really stretch employees that also lead to business goals and the business strategy. These are the most important things, but I think also it's having a bit of fun along the way right? So it's it's learning from each other, it's developing, but having that vision and mission is absolutely critical to the start of any business to inspire, to hire, to retain, to motivate employees. 100%. And, and speaking of retaining them and engaging, look, I mean, you've been everywhere and I'm not going to call Hall Chadwick in, in that category. <laughs> but um, I, I learned a lot from Hall Chadwick, David. I really did. I learned how to work with different people. I learned how to, you know, I kind of grew up at Hall Chadwick. So it has some, some very fond memories uh, for me. Oh, thank you for saying. 
So that retention and engagement piece is, which is if we can retain our best people and engage them. What, what, what's the, the Laura playbook there? What can you share with us on that? I think part of retention is uh, employee development is a big part. So performance uh, development plans for employees, that says to your employees, hey, we care about your future, whether it's at this company or a different one, and we want to help you reach your goals in the way of development. Um, and also, you know, how are you going to grow at this company? So like a lot of employees really want to grow and make it to that that next level, that next role, whether it's a sideways step or an upways step for their exposure. And having those really clear paths in how you do that is really important to retention. Then I think also um, listening, right? Um, doing a lot of like focus groups with your employees, regular employee surveys, understanding what the challenges are, understanding what the great things are, and being able to pivot quickly, depending on the size of your organization, to let your employees know that you're listening and you want to make change that makes retention and engagement better for each of them. An example recently was, you know, uh, we do like shout outs in team meetings. And I got some feedback in a focus group that We do too many of them, so they felt really insignificant. So, you know, we pivoted really quickly and we just made it two shout-outs instead of 10, so it was more impactful. So it doesn't even have to be, you know, monetary or things like that. I think another really key retention tool is never underestimate the uh, bonus of benefits that you offer employees as well. That really inspires them. You know, they go and tell their friends, hey, I get a, I get a gym subsidy. Um, I get my phone paid for. I, you know, I get to go on team building um, on a regular basis and, and work covers that for us to have fun and build as a team. And I think lastly also is the foundation, right? That you need to have really good systems and processes. So intuitive systems that employees use and don't get frustrated with because this can be a real frustrating point for employees. So the easier the systems are to use, the more employees will embrace them. There was a quite a few benefits there that you, you touched on. And I heard something the other day saying, look, you've really just got to pay people generously. How do you get the managing of expectations right between all of the stakeholders? And this is something at the really elite level that you're at in these uh, organizations that are global powerhouses. What's that look like done well? Well, I think as a starting point, it depends on where the organization is at. So if you're like a startup there, you know, you might want to consider a different type of pay mix for employees. So it might be, hey, we're a startup. It's a little risky joining us, but we want you to be on this journey with us. So we give uh, more stock instead of pay, right? So, but then for larger organizations, it's really important to be competitive I think um, it's really important to do salary surveys on a regular basis. And I think, you know, when you're hiring people, we really look for potential, smart, dedicated people. And if they're really on the mission of of the product that you're, you know, they want to become a part of, you know, it shouldn't always come down to money. But I think, you know, if you're an early stage company, maybe you don't offer bonuses, Um, But that's something that you introduce over a period of time. Like you can add benefits in over a period of time as you grow as well. I don't think there is an absolute perfect science to this, David. It depends on on your organization. I think that's where partnering with what I call a people partner because, 
HR is all about people. It's it's people to me. And, you know, looking at benchmarking data, looking at what other companies are doing and being competitive, but not necessarily having to pay at the top, top of the band. Because the other thing is you want employees to have the opportunity for growth, right? You don't want to bring them in really, really high. And then after a year, you go, oh my God, we brought you in so high, we can't give you a pay rise, right? That's something that in any offer, I, I ask that question of like, hey, what's what's the top of the band? How much room is there for growth, right? Because I don't want someone to be unable to get an increase because that, you know, that hurts the culture, that hurts the retention and engagement of employees. And that's not what you want. I have these conversations myself about you know, almost buying underpriced assets and not that you're trying to pay them less. What you're trying to do is to say, I can take them on a journey and develop them and increase their capacity, their capability, their resilience, so that they are now a you know, an underpriced asset that I can see will actually be a superstar for this business. Yeah, and I think those are some of the opportunities I've I've had. Like uh, recently, I've been menteeing someone out of Kuala Lumpur, so I've been a mentor for them. And then actually, like I'm also going to be a mentee for uh, a more senior person in the organisation, which is international and cross-functional. That you know, those sorts of programs are actually super valuable and get employees really excited to be able to give back, share their learnings and and also learn from, you know, someone else. And those are the sorts of things I hone in on for, you know, engagement and retention and culture as well. That culture, it's it's a lot of people try and set up the culture after the business is there. But no, it's from the very start that is so important. It's the way you it's the way you feel when you walk into the office. It's the way you feel in your first week new hire onboarding. It's every single touch point along the way that makes a huge impact, whether it's like, hey, here's here's a bit of swag on your first day or, you know, everyone reaching out and saying, welcome. You know, I was in your boat two weeks ago. Um, You know, there's a lot to learn, but it's a really exciting place. Like that has to start from the very beginning. There's two thoughts in my head that are essentially saying, is it, is it all about swags or is it caring hard about people? Because I had this conversation with someone at my team the other day and they said, oh, look what this person got the other day when they joined. I think my time, and I'm not just talking about me, I'm talking anyone that gives someone their time and really invests in them and helps them develop, that's lifelong, way after the, the perfume bottles run out or whatever. Yeah, I, I think... I think swag is a, a part of it. Um, however, like, you know, some of my guiding principles are that I've learned from leaders that I've worked with is never miss a one-on-one, right? Like don't reschedule one-on-ones all the time. Be there for your team. Encourage them to pick up the phone and call you if they need anything. Maybe you just pick up the phone and call them, you know, um, and, and check in and see if they're free and check in and see how their week is going. Um, I do that on a regular basis because... I know my team appreciate it. So the answer to that question is, I think spending time developing and making sure that employees are successful is a lot more important than swag. But I think swag is an important element. And and part two is, um, and this is a little bit of my playbook, is tough love. You know, that's one thing I, when I was preparing for this, I was thinking, what are some of the key points I want to talk about? And that is, you know, with culture, you can't avoid difficult conversations. That's one thing that's really, really important because 
sometimes those difficult conversations can really shape someone's career and how they behave and how they react and how they show up to work and a range of different things. And if you avoid those difficult conversations, it just festers and gets more challenging and you're not setting that person up for future success, which any manager should want to do. So that was one of the key things that I did want to mention today because I feel like that's really, really important. Feedback, creating a feedback culture is the most important thing that you can do. Um, I've seen a lot of leaders do like sort of two by two, like two things that went really well, two things that, you know, could be improved, which is uh, from Kim Scott's book. And uh, that's the model some people I've seen use. And, you know, you're getting a bit of both. You're getting balance there. So you don't want to, you don't want to bring an employee down by giving them negative feedback all the time, but you want to give them a bit of both. So it's what I call balanced feedback. Yeah. Love it. And one of the things that uh, one of our earlier guests, uh, Robert Alvarez from Big Commerce said that he, he believes is getting the balance right between skills and humility and ambition. What can you maybe unlock for us in terms of saying, look, that's a lot of things to be looking at uh, when you're thinking about, hiring someone is there a is there a lens that you look at that tries to find some of those extracts yeah I think a few things that I look at are authenticity so that the person is really authentic I'm always looking for uh, humble people Um, don't believe in big egos I don't think that that's the culture that I want to create and I think it comes back to what I mentioned before was that those people that have so much potential passion, they're smart and they're dedicated and they're willing to go the extra mile. And, you know, in your interviewing, you ask, hey, give me an example of this. Where did you start? You know, what was the process and what was the result? And then, you know, they might talk a lot about all their successes, but, you know, ask about some of their challenges and what they learned from it as well and, and how they've pivoted in the future and see how humble they can be and, and honest and authentic with with those types of questions is is a lot of my testing point because you know if they say um, hey I've never I've never made any mistakes or I've never you know a project of mine has never gone wrong I'm like okay I, I have to question that in a significant way uh, because I think that happens to all of us and that's called being human you know we we don't do everything perfectly we make mistakes we need to learn from them and. Uh, you got to also think about culture and the fit. That's the biggest thing for me, like um, hiring for, for leadership team roles and having a really diverse background in your team. You don't want to bring people all from exactly the same company. You want to bring people from a range of different backgrounds, whether they're smaller, medium, large companies. A, a nice mix would be definitely my recommendation. But also, you know, personality fit. Like I think Everyone brings something different to the table and, uh, you know, having different personalities and diversity and and in their backgrounds, whether it's, you know, their their race, their sexual orientation, where they've worked before, you know, where they grew up is really critical to building a great culture and hiring the right people. 100%. Love it. I told you to love Laura. Yeah, one of the one of the lenses that you know we look at uh, is that cash needle to say, yeah, you know, how much money we got, 
how much should we be spending it on hiring and getting the right uh, talent and and how do you sort of interact with sort of the resource allocators the cfos the ceos what's the what does it done well look like so i think you know workforce planning no matter what stage of the organization you are is really critical and and this could be around funding rounds it could be around product releases it really depends on the organization uh, but they should be flexible i do believe that you know, you've got to cater this to the organization and never hire too fast is probably one of my biggest tips. Always take a step back and every quarter I'd be looking at my hiring plan and go, okay, on revenue, like where are we on hiring? What can we ramp up? What should we slow down? You need to be constantly looking at this. I've, I've worked at companies where the CEOs spent way too much money and time on hiring and those companies actually weren't successful um, because we went completely over our budgets or we had to close down some regions because we actually overspent on on hiring and we weren't making the revenue in region. I think what you said, which is incredibly different to most people, is that you're not afraid to have a conversation with the CEO and, and say, are we deserving to allocate the capital here? Are we at the right stage for hiring? I think the C-suite of an organisation that looks right, is right, and is getting it right, is that they're listening to each other and you like this dashboard of all these things going, how much, where's our cash at? What's our, how happy are our people? Are we got problems because we're onboarding too fast? I mean, there's a shit tonne of things that you've got to get right and it's not something that you can rush. You can... There's all sorts of people out there saying go higher and you know blitz scale and do that sorts of things, but you've seen it go wrong. So what are maybe the lessons there? When when are you hiring too fast? What are the the real world examples of what's too fast? Because everyone talks about we just need to hire. We need to my problems will go away when I have the team and I have. So what are you going to get right to scale in terms of the uh, human capital, Laura? It's a really good question. I. I... I have seen this go wrong. I've seen a CEO in when I was in the UK um, spend a fortune on a leadership team and then not have the funds to build out a more junior team across five different countries and, and that company was not successful. So I think, you know, it doesn't matter what position in the company, you've got to pay right, you know, not um, and treating everyone equally and fairly is one of my mantras and one of my key principles. I try and spend as much time with a leader as I do any employee on the floor um, and treating them exactly the same. It's a really good question, David. It is. It's a tough question. This would beat anyone else, Laura, but not you. And I think you're on the tip of the precipice to say, look, the C-suite just has to work together to listen to the allocation of resources to get the right people, the right pace the right speed, the right direction, the right increments so that it deserves the capital. So that... Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, so that's the that's a lot of my uh, belief is that the allocation of capital comes first to decide when do we deserve to spend? When should we scale up? What are the first hires that we need to get right so that we can launch our product, satisfy our customer, uh, and then keep the customer happy. 
Um, so there's a whole bunch of things that you've, you've seen having worked at these world-class companies and there is no right answer here. There's no single answer. But what, what are the questions maybe that you think about when you get the instruction from the CEO, Laura, I need 100 people or my, you talked about your, uh, your hiring plan. So what questions do you ask when you see that coming at you? Yeah, we do. We do have uh, forecasts. So we start with, like, I usually start with business planning. Okay, so how are we going to grow? You know, what products are, are going to be released? Um, what do we think our growth plans are? What strategy and research have we done in the markets that we're actually in to see that this growth is actually realistic? Um, where have we seen other companies do it before? And do we think we have that potential as well? I always like to stagger targets over the year. So having a full forecast from, you know, January is a little bit slow, January and December are a little bit slow in Australia because a lot of people are on holidays. We factor a lot of those factors in and we really ramp up more towards the, the middle of the year. But, you know, I also think one thing that's key here too is I like to hire the leaders as much as possible first before hiring the team underneath them. I think it's um, okay for leaders to inherit a few team members, but I think it's really empowering and important that they get the opportunity to pick their team. So I like to try and plan and like, let's say I know a leader is probably going to come in in two to three months time. I, I would start the hiring six weeks in for the other role so that when they arrive, they've got a really solid pipeline and a really solid bench strength of, of people that they can meet. And then if they know some people themselves that they want to bring in for roles, they still have that opportunity to do that as well. But I do think forecasting from a finance perspective is really key. I think it's also important to have some flexibility there. You know, when working with finance, you, you always tend to ask for a little bit more. You know you're going to probably get knocked back a little bit. That's the, the number one thing people always know. But, you know, I think it's just important not to overhire because you don't want to get down the path and have to make redundancies like that. That is a really challenging thing that I've been through in a range of different companies that's really painful and challenging on your culture and uh, your people that you should try and avoid at all costs. And it's, and it's highly costly for the company as well if you have to go down that path. Totally. And I mean, the growth, it doesn't just happen by adding people as simple as that. There's a there's an onboarding, there's a getting people up to speed, there's a whole bunch of things before most people add real value to an organization. You know, what's what's a good pace for hiring for for growth companies? I would say probably like 15 to 20% growth. You know, some companies I've worked at we've doubled every year, which is fast. That is really fast. Um, so looking at more that 20% growth is ideal and then having some flex in there for, you know, there might be a role that you didn't plan for that you suddenly realize that you need and it's actually really important. Having those little flex roles in there is super, super helpful for, for any business. But I would say around the 20% mark for most businesses. Right. Nice. Okay. Let's talk about a bit money now. So compensation. Mm -hmm. What goes through your mind in terms of design of compensation is it you, you touched on a little bit before where you're talking about making sure people are well rewarded um, but what, what are the questions that you ask about getting the, the design right so I think the first thing we have to remember is comp is your biggest expense to any business so salaries are the largest expense and that's something I think about all the time and 
you know, you've got to think about how you can structure it right for the best of the potential employee and the best of the success of the business. So obviously a base salary is, you know, the biggest expense and it's a constant expense. So one thing I always think about is how can I, how can I flex the comp, right, to what that person has expectations on and it still gives them room for growth, but then also what the business can actually afford. And then I also think about the quality across the team because you don't want to get down the path and someone that's equal to a peer is on a lot more money because that causes a lot of trouble. So internal equity is like hugely important in, in my view. You know, there might be times where you offer a relocation or a sign-on bonus or something like that, but that see, that's not an ongoing cost. I've seen it paid first in the, in the first six months and then um, after they pass their probation. Uh, so, you know, that's not an ongoing cost, though, so that's not a guarantee. So that means the employee is fundamentally taking a risk on this being a, a great company to work for. Um, so I, I look at doing that sometimes. We obviously have, you know, performance reviews. Uh, most companies, if you don't have those, you should be making sure that your employees get feedback on a regular basis. Performance reviews might not be for you, but check-ins or or something like that might be better. Comp, you got to just do based on where you are, whether you go to someone and you say, hey, here's a base salary, here's a stock option, or here's a different base salary and here's a different stock option, what do you, what do you want, right? Do you want more stock or do you want a bigger base? But keeping it within a good range for the future of the business. And how much flexibility should be there to move fast as well what is there how do you manage that again it depends on what size you are and how structured you are as an organization but I I think options are really good for people so giving them like hey you can have a thousand stock units and a hundred thousand dollar base salary or you can have 500 stock units and a hundred twenty thousand dollar base salary so having some of that flexibility you know, really tells you if the employee is super passionate also about the company and the product and it gives them choice. So, you know, later one day they might kick themselves for not taking the largest stock options or one day they might say, hey, I made the right choice, but at least it was their choice. Yeah, 100%. Let me ask you a question that I often get asked myself, uh, which is how do I explain to someone an option plan so that they want it? So, and I call, I call it the dance of a thousand veils. So because we say, here's the documents we got, uh, here's yours. And they go, oh, great, I've got what 1%. That's not even a bite of an apple. Uh, mm-hmm. And I feel like it's a pretty tricky conundrum to get that explained right without overstepping the mark, without in terms of compliance issues or you know, and promising people things about values of companies. What have you learned maybe about how to explain and connect the employee's mind with that desire for participating in an option plan? So I I like to put myself in any employee's shoes when thinking about this. Um, And I like to give them real world examples. And I'm lucky that I've had that opportunity of real world examples. I got my lift stock at a dollar, dollar thirty-five. I took a risk, and it's now worth in the fifty-dollar range. And and they were one of the companies that was lucky to go public. And you know that does, but that doesn't always happen, right? Some of these companies also, like 
I've had friends that have worked at startups and, you know, they've got stock and it's never amounted to anything. And those companies actually went under, right? So it's like, that's, I, I sort of give them those types of examples. And, and, I, and I really explain, hey, this is the reason why we, we allocate stock, right? We want you to put your best work in so you have a piece of the pie and can be really proud of that piece of the pie no matter what size it is. And I think the other thing to add to that is, you know, over the, the employee life cycle when you have reviews and things like that, having refresher options as well is really, really key. So, like, sure, you're getting a really small piece right now, but, you know, you're getting in actually really early, so that is a huge benefit. And, you know, there is the option in the future to be awarded more, right? No guarantees, but if your performance is at at or above the expectation of your role, there's that opportunity as well, if, if there is that opportunity in, in the company. But I do, I do say, hey, it's a risk, right? You, you could get nothing. You could get something, right? I, I've seen people in San Francisco buy houses because they were early on at Facebook, right? You know, um, but that it doesn't always work out that way. It's the dream, but it's also, you know, what you put in to this company and you're making an impact on what you get out of it. And I'm also very careful about not giving financial advice to employees ever because these are their decisions and I am by far not a financial expert like yourself, David. So you've got to find that middle ground. Love that. That's And I, I do this and I think I learned something that was brilliant. All right, guys, you know the drill. This is a 30-minute podcast. So if you're loving our chat with Laura Chuck as much as I am, stay tuned for part two, which will be dropping next Tuesday. Yet again, she'll be shattering any preconceptions you may have had against HR and giving you the sanity check on putting people first. But until then, please rate us, review us on Apple Podcasts. We love your feedback. It helps others find the show and we'd really appreciate you taking a few minutes to do that. Thanks for listening and take care.